Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Little Light Devotions. I'm so happy that you've decided to join me today. This is actually going to be the very first episode since we've been put on Spotify. And I am not Spotify. Wow. Uh, Apple uh, I, Apple Podcasts. That's what I was going for. We're getting to Spotify, but right now just Apple Podcasts. Um, but yeah, I am super, super excited for this. This is going to be... This is a great next step in what this ministry entails. And speaking of ministry, there is now a YouTube channel, Little Light Ministries. I don't have a lot up on there. I actually only have one video on there. Well, technically, like, well, here's the thing. I have one video up on there from like five or six years ago, back when I first got the call to preach. And uh, it's like one of my very first sermons. And oh my goodness, that video is abysmal. Goodness gracious. It's so bad. It's so bad. The sermon's bad. The quality's bad. Oh, goodness. It's terrible. But I leave it up there just uh, for, for you know, time timekeeping sake. But right now, the only other things that are on that channel are my reading of the modern English version, which is a great Texas Receptus translation that I really, really love that doesn't actually have a reading for it yet, a, a, a formal reading. So that's something that I've been trying to do. And uh, maybe you version will get in contact with me and put it on the app. I have no idea. But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. Today we're actually going to be in Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to be talking about roots. Roots. I am by no means a farmer. I lived in Kansas for a while. And uh, behind my house there was this farm and one thing I remember about this farm was that they had such tall grass like the farmer didn't do like the best job keeping just the grass in check nor his cows because they would frequently wander onto our property and my dog would go absolutely berserk but the farmer clearly didn't have a very great interest in groundskeeping which i mean you know is fine he's probably busy and he can't you know get to every aspect of his land his land was also quite hilly so you know it'd be like that sometimes but when there's not a proper keeping of the grass i guarantee there's not a proper keeping of the weeds and weeds are just abysmal i hate weeds with a passion weeding is the worst thing ever i'd literally rather pay somebody to do my weeds than me ever pull one of those little buggers out of the ground i hate them so much but they serve as a reminder one of the fall and two even of a spiritual sense they serve as a reminder of how to get rid of bad spirituality if you think about it, like um what's been the biggest death grip on the neck of the church what vices have been plaguing this eternal ministry of god since its very existence I mean, throughout the history of the church, we can think back, you know, to the Inquisition who were, you know, like the Pharisees, so focused on upholding the laws of God that they mistook everything as witchcraft and everyone as a heretic. And that led to the deaths of thousands and some historians claim even tens of thousands of people. Then we move on past the Middle Ages, almost to the mo <clears throat> almost to the modern era, excuse me, and we see the Catholic Church who began selling tickets into heaven for the commoner and their family without ever truly mentioning the gospel to them. No, this led to the Protestant Reformation. And in modern times, we can think of churches who believe that adhering to a political party is a sign of salvation or that adhering to certain extra-biblical standards, like they show signs of a better spirituality. And along with 
whatever flavor of legalism you want to pick for there for, for today, there's always been this other ditch of licentiousness. So like there's the one ditch of like hyperlegalism and the other ditch of licentiousness. And the licentiousism is the belief that we are under the grace of God, so we now have a license to sin. And throughout Scripture, we can see evidences of both of these things being atrocious to the faith. And one of these evidences is found in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, the book of Colossians, it starts with a little bit more of an interesting context than the other letters written by Paul. Uh, Paul was writing this letter, you know, in prison. It's one of the prison epistles, but he was actually writing it to a church he'd never even met. The, the church of Colossae was started by a, by a man named Epaphras. Epaphras, one of Paul's close friends and workers in the faith. And while Paul was in prison, Epaphras would come to visit him and like let him know about the happenings of the church, the good, the bad, the ugly. But uh, Epaphras was constantly praising the Colossians for their faithfulness in an area that Paul had just never been to. And so Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians to focus on the issues that Epaphras brought to his attention and to challenge them to a stronger devotion to Jesus while encouraging them and congratulating them for the work they'd already did. So what were these issues? What are these issues? Uh, the biggest issues uh, that were facing the Church of Colossae were mystical polytheism and pressures to observe the laws of the Torah. So we'll start with the first group, the polytheistic group. So there were many Greeks in Colossae, as you would expect in a Greek town. And they were raised on the devotion to the Greek gods and the Greek culture. And many of the Colossians who were raised in this culture incorrectly added Jesus to this list of gods. Uh, and on the flip side, the Jewish community at Colossae was pressuring the Gentiles to, you know, yeah, grace by faith, whatever. But they pressured them to follow the laws, the Torah, like the, the holy days, circumcision, the feasts, all these things. And so these are part of several issues that were addressed by Paul in his letter uh, to the Galatians. And so for Paul, to give into either of these temptations was a compromise. And so Paul is kind of re-emphasizing uh, re this letter to the Colossians now. Paul declares in this letter that Jesus sets free from any obligations to mystical spirits and that Jesus has fulfilled all the laws of the Torah for us. So this builds up to Colossians chapter 2, where the proposition from Paul is pretty clear that God wants you to know that Christ is the only means of coming to sanctification. So how does this passage indicate that Christ is the only means of sanctification? We're going to start in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those that are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this so that we, no one will delude you with persuasive argument, for even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ." Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So the first thing that shows us that Christ is the only means of sanctification can come from Paul's establishment of his concern. So Paul had a great conflict for the 
Colossians, uh, when he, the King James says, for I would. Now that word would, or in the NASB says want, uh, it comes from this idea of desire. The Greek word thelo means, it means a desire, a strong yearning. He has this, he has this big conviction, a struggle, a fight for the Colossians. So it can go without saying that before you before you start to correct someone's livelihood, you really should establish with that person that you love that person. It's been debated as to who the author of this famous saying is, but it goes, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I mean, that makes sense. Humans are emotional creatures. I mean, we were made in the image of God, as Genesis 1.26 says, and God himself is a God of emotions. Throughout the Bible, God is described as being delighted or jealous, angry, sorrowful. You know, many of these emotions we know all too well. So before Paul could, you know, unabashedly brandish truth to a group he had never even met, he needed to unabashedly put his love first. And like, how many times do we forget that today? How many times are we so eager to be right that we ignore any type of relationship building? How many times have we been discussing hot-button politics that we've ignored that the love of Christ has for that man just to be able to indignantly get in his face with how wrong that he is? Now, I'm not saying that this means we have to pat everybody on the back and just encourage all their sins, but just like in Galatians, we should be showing love as we are correcting the ones that we love. So Paul shows this desire and his love in a few ways. He expresses, he begins by expressing his desire. We just went through the word thelo, will, would, as the King James puts it. It's a want, a desire. He has a great struggle, a great conflict for the group at Laodicea, for the Colossians, and for anybody else. Paul just wants these believers to know that he has this serious, genuine conviction for the believers he's never met. And man, do we have that same conviction? Like, do we, do we pray for believers we haven't even met yet? Like, we see the terrible stories of the way that these Christians get treated around the world. But do we stop to pray for them? Have we stopped to pray for other Christians, even in our own country? You know, it's time as Christians that we take after Paul's example and be sincere with our love for the brethren. So we've seen so we've seen that we need to be sincere with the love that we have. But what should we be sincere about? Well, we need to be sincere first of being comforting and loving. Love entirely surrounds the basis of the gospel. You know, 1 John 4, 9, we loved him because he first loved us, fulfilled the law with these two commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's Matthew 27, 37 to 39. God even stresses in 1 John 4, 8, that if a person who doesn't love claims to know God, then that person is a liar. Love is a quintessential key to living the Christian life. So many times we live our lives like, you know, the relationship should just be kept between us and Christ. And that's where it should start, absolutely. But we end up totally neglecting the benefit of spiritual brotherhood. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've had people call me up and be like, Andrew, you know, I'm I'm really hanging on by a thread emotionally. I just feel nobody cares about me. Genuinely, the vast majority of the time, these people are not taking part of the spiritual brotherhood that Christ has established. So, however, don't get, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that the church is the only means of bettering mental health, but totally neglecting that part of your Christian walk will have much more adverse consequences than you would think. 
So we see Paul's emphasis on love, that we should be loving to others. But we also have to see where love comes from. We have to have the right grounding in love. So Paul describes his conflict, and then he gets on to the second meteor part of his concern for the Colossians, and that's their true understanding of God. And you know, our lives are entirely molded by what we understand around us. You know, we learn from a young age how to make sense of the world, whether it's by learning languages, counting, anything else. We are taught by society how to make sense of the world. And this idea, making sense of the world, has plagued humanistic philosophers for thousands of years. Whether it's like ancient Greek philosophy or today's postmodernism, people are always trying to find an explanation for life that is outside of God. And Paul throws all this out the window by telling them that only through Christ can the meaning of life make sense. He is where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid. So trying to make sense of life without him would, you know, it'd be, it'd be akin to bringing a fiction novel to math class. Things just don't make sense. And the world and the, the lies that the world tell, they aren't helpful and they ultimately just aren't real. A lot of what society says is that all religions lead to heaven and that Allah and Yahweh are the same God. But God himself would disagree with that premise. And Isaiah, God even says, I, even I am the Lord and besides me, there is no savior. This concept is what the Colossians are struggling with the most. They could not mentally grasp the mystery of God, the gospel. Society on one side was telling them that all roads lead to heaven, throwing Jesus in their mix of polytheism, and the others were saying that they weren't doing enough physical tasks to earn their way to heaven. These type of teachings, these cultish teachings that aren't found in Christ, they hurt and they confuse people. In fact, Paul specifically wants the Colossians to know that he's writing all of these things so these cults can't steal the truths away from their mind. Look at verse 4. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. So Paul is spurring on these believers to hang on to truth, something that we should do. We should be rooted in the truth. And he gives them another reaffirmation of their brotherhood. Man, we have to let people know that they're not alone. When we're correcting our brethren, we have to be rooted in the right things first to do it. But we have to make sure at all times that they are understanding that we love them. You know, there have been like nigh on a dozen studies just within the past decade of why people left the faith. But one of the biggest proponents of apostasy is the fact that many Christians simply felt too lonely. They felt as if the presence of God wasn't in their lives. And I genuinely placed some of the blame on that on the church itself, on us. How many times have we noticed someone hurting and we just simply turned a blind eye because we didn't have the time nor the energy to deal with this plebeian's problems? It's unfortunate to say that most of us probably have a twinge of guilt regarding this, but you know, thank God that Paul sought to make sure that this was not the case with the Colossians. He encourages them in prayer, and instead of merely pushing their wrongdoings down their throat, he brings them up in love and encouragement in what they have done right. So now we're going to go see the commission that Paul gives them that we should take for ourselves. Look at verse 5. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now built up 
in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So Paul's commission, you know, to commission somebody is to implore them, to strongly urge them down a path you wish for them to walk and continue on. You know, look at verse 6. Paul wants these Colossians to walk in him, to walk the path of righteousness which are laid out in the teachings of God's Son and the verbal instruction found in his word. However, he encourages their actions to be bettered after they have received Christ Jesus. You cannot walk in him to be received by him. You must receive him and then walk. How many churches do we know of that get this wrong? How many times do we do this ourselves, that we work and work and work to try to gain favor with God? However, we already have favor with God if we've accepted Christ as our Savior. If we are saved, we already have the full favor of God. We only work because God favors us. We don't work to get God's favor. A lot of churches get this wrong. And people do it on the basis of, oh, it's just my standard. And your know, standards are perfectly fine to keep. But we need to be careful not to beat someone over the head with these laws and forget about the one who fulfilled the law. So, you know, nevertheless, we're, we're talking a lot about legalism, but we need to get to what the big thing is. Being sanctified in Christ. Paul urges these Colossians to having being uh, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him. I grew up in a military household like you know I, I was saying earlier that we had uh, we had our we had our farmer neighbor and all this stuff and he had all these weeds and you know I grew up in a military household so we were moving around a lot and my dad wasn't really home a lot so he wasn't able to teach me a lot of things that a lot of other kids got taught by their father but there is one thing he taught me how to do well and that was pull weeds. Uh, and like I said earlier, I hate it with a passion, but he taught me how to do it well. And the first thing that he taught me was that you have to reach way down in the dirt and pull it up by the roots. Like if you just pluck at the leaves, it's just going to grow back like bigger and meaner than before. So if you want to get rid of something, you got to entirely uproot it. And that's what Paul is asking the Colossians to do. You know, he's saying, throw out that rotten root of polytheism, throw out that root of legalism, throw out that root of anything that separates you from following the path that Christ has set for us. So a question that comes from that is like, well, how do I become rooted? And that's a good question. You know, I can, I can stand behind this microphone and tell you spiritual mumbo jumbo all day long. But if there's no clear direction, then, you know, how am I to say that I really preach the word today? It's probably the best place to start being rooted is just in in Bible and talking about the Bible. Look at the verse where Paul says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed. Man, go find some good and faithful Bible preachers. Find proper spiritual guidance. Enter a discipleship program. Grow those roots. And I really hope that with this podcast that I can do that for some of you guys. You know, if you ever have any questions, please feel free to hit me up sometime with your questions about spiritual matters and all this stuff. And with all this, we have to we have to ask a question. What are we rooted in? You know, what do we put our eternal stake in? Where are our treasures hidden? And if they're found in Christ, if we're truly saved, then do we spur our loved ones to examine where their roots lie? Do we keep this eternal conflict that Paul had for the Colossians? 
Let's not be content with how things are. Let's not be content with the status quo. Let's not be content with uncomfortable conversations. Let's, let's not be content with fearing uncomfortable conversations. Let's not be comfortable with the apathy of another soul. If there's anyone in your life the Holy Spirit has spurred you to check in on recently, do not suppress that spirit. Don't tell yourself tomorrow will be a better day. Have a love that leads others to where true treasure is found. And that can only be started when you're properly rooted. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen to Little Light Devotionals. If you'd like to keep up with me on social media, find me on Instagram at Little Light, the first I is a one. And on Facebook slash Little Light, the first I is a one. Follow me on SoundCloud to get updates about new episodes and find all of my business contact info at linkapp.com slash AC underscore LL. That's L-I-N-Q-A-P-P dot com slash AC underscore LL. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I'm hoping to see you again next time.